Cool. Um, okay, so again, this will be probably the last time that I start off with a movie reference. Uh, but it seems like, you know, now that it's slowly but surely uh, getting into winter and days are getting shorter in the southern hemisphere, um, nights getting longer, you know, um, it seems like that time of the t- night where you kind of settle in and watch a movie on the couch becomes earlier. So, um, last night, I tend to prefer to watch movies a few times just to make sure I understand not only the plot but also the kind of, um, sometimes there's a, uh, maybe sense of humor or maybe a message or story that is kind of, um, you know, hidden. And um, so watching a movie a few times, you get to really understand, not only that even, just even the, often that I actually watch movies in their native language. So last night I was watching Wolf Call, The Wolf's Call. Um, it's a French movie, but I think the first few four, four or five times I actually watched it in English and then last night I actually watched it in French and it actually made more sense to watch it in French with English type type subtitles as to um, uh, change that uh, into an um, audio English audio uh, and it firstly it made me realize that actually it's um, people are not as poetic in their uh, second language as they are in their first language or in their native tongue. Uh, which is something that I've picked up, especially in the in the UFC. Um, it's, um, it's interesting sometimes when fighters have post or pre-fight interviews. Um, you know, there's a lot of these guys from Dagestan, from Russia, from, um, you know, maybe um, European countries where English is maybe not as uh, prominent as it would be in other countries. But when, um, you know, when they're giving interviews, um, they're not as fluent, obviously, because it's not their native um, language. Uh, and for most of these guys, or for many of these guys, it's not even their second language. Maybe it's a third or fourth language. So it's just always interesting to see, you know, when you listen to them in their native tongue, um, having um, interviews back home or wherever the case might be, um, and you read the subtitles, it makes slightly more sense that maybe these guys are, um, you know, really poetic, very well spoken in their native language. But when, uh, you know, when asked to do it in an interview or something in English, it seems very broken. It seems, you know, very, very um, surface surface level kind of words that they use. So uh, with that said, obviously it was watching the Wolf's Call in French and just using English subtitles Subtitles made a lot more sense. Um, and it actually added a lot more value to the movie. And there was actually a few things that for the first few four or five times I didn't pick up on. So um, basically with the Wolf's Call, it's this... Uh, Basically, the French army needing to stop the, or the French navy rather, that needs to stop this ghost uh, submarine from um, creating uh, like a world war. Um, and they basically, they keep bombing each other or um, depth charging them from, from helicopters or from uh, naval ships and so on. Um, so it's not a bad movie. Uh, there's a few very horrible scenes where the the captain of the submarine gets out of the submarine um, at the surface with a bazooka or RPG, and then he's actually shooting down a helicopter. But before he can do that, uh, there was a lock on the trigger, and then one of the officers on the ship actually had to shoot the trigger off the RPG while the captain was holding it, which was very, very disappointing to, to watch. And then also the explosion of the helicopter was quite um, 
sad to observe. But besides that, it was quite a nice movie, actually. But um, the movie actually reminded me of a story that happened uh, many years ago when I was still working in the Red Sea. Uh, there was a girl that came from Tel Aviv. Um, she was on her way back to, uh, back down to Elat to do, do, do some diving. And it's not uncommon for people to send or leave um, kind of messages on whatever on Facebook, on Instagram or, you know, other, other sites where you can, um, you know, link up with other divers to do some dives together over a weekend or whatever the case might be. Anyway, so this girl came down to Elat. Um, she actually fa- managed to find a guy she'd never met before. Um, I can't remember if they had the um, advanced or the two stars. I think they both were two star divers, advanced divers, so with a maximum depth of 20. I don't think they'd done their speciality deep dives to take them down to 30 or 40. So um, uh, so, they were, so they linked up. If I remember also correctly, the girl, I don't think she did um, a lot of dives leading up to this uh, weekend. So obviously it was a few months since her last dives. But anyway, they rented some gear. They went for a dive. Now, in a lot where, um, in the co- southern coast of uh, Israel, on the Red Sea, there's a wreck dive. There's a few wrecks, actually, but there's a wreck called the Satil, which is a military ship that was um, bought from the French. And due to sanctions back, I can't remember, for the 70s or whatever the case might be, um, Israel couldn't take um, um, delivery of the, of the ships. So I think it was over Christmas or something that the special units actually went into this harbor in France where these boats were, I think there was three of them, where these boats were stationed and then actually stole their own boats that they just bought from the French. So obviously there was, um, you know, help with from the French to, to turn a blind eye for them to take the ships. But regardless of the fact, they sell the ships back to Israel and they used it with uh, in war leading up uh, to today. Um, I can't remember how many years it was in service, but one of these ships um, was purposely sunk and sits around, it's not even far, maybe 50, 70 meters off the coast at around th- 28 meters at the, at the bow, and the, or 24 meters at the bow, and I think 28 meters at the stern, um, sitting, sitting um, flush on the floor. So it's quite a nice dive site, a beautiful wreck dive to, to, to do some rec- um, training on. And... Um, I think the top of the tower sits around 14, so it's a beautiful uh, place also for freedivers to practice, to connect the buoys to the to the tower and then do freedives down to the ship. Anyway, so it's a very popular dive site. You will find quite a lot of divers there during the daytime. But this couple went, uh, this girl and guy went um, for late afternoon. I think it was like a night dive, which is already a big no due to the fact that night dives we tend to keep to 10 meters. Uh, and especially not into, you know, to try and penetrate wrecks or caves or whatever the case might be. But anyway, they did the, the Satil as a night dive, if I can remember correct, uh, which was, um, you know, already kind of a, um, a telltale sign that, you know, whoever decided that they're going to do that dive, which is th- in this case the guy, you know, thinks wasn't really kosher. But anyway, so they did the dive. Um, I think she almost ran out of air on this dive and he kind of pushed on trying to finish the dive without, you know, with with her actually needing to ace into to a safety stop by herself um, and finish the dive by herself and wait for him at the surface to to finish. Um, after that, they went for another night dive. Um, I can't exactly remember how deep the night dive, uh, the second dive was, but usually in, uh, in, in recreational diving, you'll do your deepest dive first in the day and then you end with your shallowest dive. And then depending on how long and how deep you were, you will do the safety stops or the, the rest period in between the dives accordingly. So um, they went for another night dive. I think it was kind of like a blue water dive. So it's like a dive where you don't really, you know, you swim 
down at maybe 10 meters and you swim into the, the deep blue sea um, where you don't really see, although you would not see the, the bottom in any way if you had to dive at 20 meters and you kind of hovering at uh, 10 meters um, with the ocean being, uh, the, the bottom being at 20. But uh, they went into the blue water and um, they actually got depth charged by the Navy, the Israeli Navy. So obviously they were got picked up by sonar and... Um, they, the, one of the Navy ships, so in Elat, there's, um, because it's such so close quarters with the Jordanians across the uh, the Red Sea and then the Egyptians just right next to them, obviously everyone is kind of monitoring their water very closely for, for divers, um, you know, especially for, for, for things um, or closer to the commercial or the ports or the harbor area in Elat in the south. So um, there's a lot of, also I think they've got like the, this gas refinery area um just north of the dive shops where you know obviously they didn't want anyone um, swimming up and down that area and i think actually that's where this incident happened so they, this couple actually got depth charged by the the navy and um they f- they had to come up they were not uh, i don't think they were they were caught or, or picked up by the navy so they actually swam back to shore um and this girl actually became quite sick and uh, she ended up um um, you know, throwing up. Um, she was very, very nauseous, and I'm sure that uh, she might, you know, probably could have had internal damage due to the the shock wave of the um, of the depth charge. Because as far as I know, um, these type of um, the charges um, happens in two steps. So there's the initial blast and then the secondary blast. And I usually the secondary blast. If you look at submarines. Um, that's kind of what flexes the the outer hull of a submarine. So if you had to take like a ruler and bend it very very fast back and forth until it snaps, that's basically what happens on the secondary blast when um, you know submarines or helicopters or naval ships uh, depth charge um, charges submarines. So um, you can imagine what that does to your body. Anyway, so long story short, this girl actually, I think she had some internal. Um, uh, trauma, and um, she had she had to be taken to the hospital. This guy kind of disappeared. This guy that took her on a dive disappeared. Um, he ba- went back to to the city center to Tel Aviv. So um, no idea what actually hap- ended up happening to this girl. But yeah, um, obviously, you know, it's it's not common for for scuba divers to to find themselves in a um, scenario where the the navy is throwing charges. Um, on the heads on an eye dive um, obviously you know on on dives especially in Dahab's blue hole if you go to Egypt in the Sinai province um, there's some horrible videos and stories about the blue hole about divers um, um, losing their lives in the in Dahab's blue hole um, so uh, maybe I'll do an episode on on diving accidents or incidents I have one or two my, uh, myself so that'll be a cool episode to kind of uh, recap on things that Happens so quickly underwater in a, in a scenario or an environment where decision making is, uh, you know, it needs to be done so quickly. Um, yet you have um, only the training to rely on. So um, it'll be a cool episode. Anyway, I'm going to keep it short. Uh, that was today's um, thought or little story regarding last night's movie. Again, so that was now three movies in a row. Hopefully, uh, the next one will not start with a movie. Maybe, maybe not. Um, that's it, ciao